You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. We're here to teach you a little bit of Latin. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in Des Moines Metro. Thanks for listening to Cornfield Theology, our podcast here. Uh, it's a medium and outlet where we try to you know, do some extra teaching uh, when it comes to the Christian faith, uh, the Bible. Yeah, uh, get inter- specific. Yeah, it gets the intersection of like theology and culture. We've all, we got all kinds of stuff on, mm-hmm. on cornfieldtheology.com, so check that out. When you got a chance, you also can subscribe. So when the latest blog drops, you get an email. We don't spam you or anything like that. It's just right. whenever content comes out, you, you're the first to get it. So, anywho, Logan, Logan's with me. Logan's a re- regular voice of Cornfield Theology. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. What's you about to call me like a regular attender? A regular attender? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you don't have a member of a you don't church, remember, you're yeah. just a regular attender. Yeah. And we're, you are a, uh, what's call you the member of the Cornfield Theology? Yeah. You're on the website. Yeah. That's official, right? Boom. That's all I need. And you're with Forms me. my heart. <laughs> We're at my place. Yep. We're at the, the the barn, the horse ranch. Right. Like literally. Yep. <laughs> people always ask, like, do you live in a barn? I'm like, yeah, actually, I kind of do. <laughs> now, like earlier in cornfield theology, no. No, it was the farmhouse. Yeah. Farmhouse. Now yeah. you just you moved into a barn. Kind of, yeah. We're flanked by horses. Yeah. Your cat just killed a bird. It, that's, we just learned that. My cat, <laughs> the barn cat just killed a bird. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. My daughter rushes in. Dad, Squirt killed the bird. I'm like, well, that's what he's there for. Uh, yeah. I mean, preferably, you know, snakes and you know, mice. But. Sure. But if you don't work, you don't eat. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. Yeah, life is good, man. And uh, things at Redemptional Church are doing great. So if you're in the metro area you want to check us out, mm-hmm. we'd love to have you. Um, we are, in, I would like to think we're intentional when we worship. Uh, we uh, have a liturgy that we follow, and uh, we love having guests, even if it's just, even if it's just to check us out once. Um, hey, we, we love making new friends. So, All right, man. Today's podcast is on Ordo Salutis. What's that? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Uh, it is Latin for order, order of, of salvation. salvation. Yeah, order salutis. So we're doing this podcast kind of as a follow up to a sermon series that I preached on order salutis. The sermon series was called "The Grace of Salvation," mm-hmm. and uh, what I was attempting to do, whether I did that well or not, it's up for you know up for debate, I suppose. We'll take a poll. We'll take a poll. Yeah, yeah send out an email to the church. <laughs> yeah, did he do that well? <laughs> eh. uh, just to kind of lay out. Um, you know, the not the process of salvation. I'm not the right way to say it. Right. But what is going on when God saves? Right. And there is some order to it. And uh, some will debate the order. And sometimes order can be almost almost instantaneous, right? Yeah. Like there can be a point where there's like a logical order to it. Right. But the things are somewhat happening simultaneously. Correct. And so like, but but the order order is helpful nonetheless. So for example, we'll get in more of this in a second. But why the word order is helpful is that sanctification always comes after justification. Right. You can't put sanctification before justification. Right. You can't put, um, you know, justification before effectual calling. 
Right. Yes. Right. Yep. So there is some logic. Now that now there's some disagreements, and we'll get into the disagreements here in a moment as to some of the ordering. Right. Um, which is fine. And even in the reform camp, there's nuances and disagreements, and that's fine. Like yeah, I ten years from now, I'm like ah, you know, I switch that around a little bit. Right. Just like I changed you on images, I'll change you on this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> See previous podcast. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And what's what I think is um, like this isn't there's there's going to be some very important parts to this, I think. Yeah. Because it's going to go into, um, you know, how does God save people? Not just the order in which he say or like salvation comes. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's like if, if you disagree on this, I don't think you're like necessarily in sin or like not going to be saved. Right. Like, right. But right. it's just useful. Uh, yeah, to think it through. And before we get into kind of the the meat of this podcast, two things I want to point out here. One, we can only talk about Ordus Salutis uh, because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Right. Like everything starts at the cross in terms of this discussion, and so I, I think everyone just needs to realize that. Like that is where the atonement of Christ is essential. Is the central foundation for having mm-hmm. this particular discussion. And I think the other thing I want to point out in terms of my own thinking, I use John Murray's book called, um, got it in front of me here, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Redemption mm. Accomplished and Applied by John Murray. And this was his order of salvation. And then we'll get into some more of the meat here. Sure. Uh, he, he started with effectual calling. Okay. I think it's good. And then regeneration. And then some people will argue, where's that? Faith and repentance would be third. Justification, fourth. Adoption, fifth. Sanctification, um, sixth. Perseverance, seventh. He did union with Christ, eighth. And glorification, ninth. Sure. Now, in my sermon series, for the sake of um, time, we were bumping mm-hmm. into Easter. I didn't do perseverance or union with Christ. Sure. I went from sanctification to glorification. And that was just more of a, hey, we got a, a sermon calendar and you can't do everything. Right. Type of thing. But that was that was his order. What do you think about his order? Yeah, there's like, so like the effectual calling being the first one, I think is, for me, calling is further down the list. Because uh, I actually use the Romans 8 passage, Romans 8, 29 yeah, through which 30. Which is like the passage. It's the to. passage for that. providing like a baseline. Of, that and Ephesians 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because... It, it gives. It's called the golden chain of redemption. I think yeah. R.C. Sproul. I don't know if he's the one. That no, the it. One, initial one would, would have been um, uh, not William Perkins. No, William Perkins. He wrote a book called The Golden Chain. Mm-hmm. So it was him who kind of coined this phrase, "Order Salutis," and you know, the order of salvation through this golden chain. Links of a chain that are individual, right? But they're connected to one another, right? And so I think that's important to remember. It's like we when we talk about a particular theological topic, we need to realize, yes, we can talk about it in isolation to the degree that is actually connected to another theological point. Mm-hmm. And just to read the passage, it says, so it's Romans 8, starting in verse 29. Yep. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who predestined, he called. And yep. those he called, he justified. And those whom justified, he glorified. glorified yep. um, and so we see the the steps in this case is foreknowing, God foreknowing his people, yeah. God predestining his yep. people, God calling his people, God justifying, and God glorifying. So for me, the call is like the third point. Sure. But it could be that, you know, um, the author 
like he's starting at when the process of salvation starts for the individual. Yeah. Whereas I'm starting like before, you know, the yeah. earth was formed. Right. You know. So I think the way he defines effectual calling is what's, what's being um, wrapped into that is election. Hmm. So the way that he's using calling, the effectual calling, John Murray, that is, is that he is going, you know, before Genesis 1-1 sure. type of thing. It, it's it, You read the chapter and he's talking a lot about, you know, God electing hmm. uh, and foreknowing. So he gets into that. He kind of kind of takes it all and makes it one. one. Interesting. So it, he's not entirely wrong. Sure. I think one could argue, like you are, I think, can we actually become more detailed than that right and parse out those theological themes right because like this list from romans 8 yeah you know paul has a specific points that he's making yeah he's not necessarily going into all the different details yeah. of the order of salvation right. i just think it provides a good baseline so it yeah. sounds like john murray who i almost called john mulaney which is why i called him author instead <laughs> it sounds like in the god for knowing his people or the god for destiny he's just fleshing out more of what that can mean yeah yep but let's go into it let's go with your order um although i i would argue i mean how did i do it i, I went with john murray's order yeah. yeah you did so uh effectual calling and i and i was specifically talking about the effectual calling of the father sure it's the father who calls the son who applies right whereas like in my list the calling is actually the calling of god the spirit you know to the to the individual at the moment like that's the effectual calling the spirit drawing so when i the use person. the word like effectual calling i mean um the covenant of redemption mm-hmm. before god created the world the son and the father had a plan of redemption agreed and and certainly as the plan is being applied god the holy spirit is drawing his people to christ right so it's a matter of uh, maybe of um, semantics, not semantics, chronology sure. of when things take place. So the, 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 the spirit doesn't effectually draw someone in the covenant of redemption before Genesis 1-1. Uh, that happens. That eventually does happen. Right. right? So maybe maybe in the order of salvation, we we have things that are indeed connected in the chain for sure. But um, also need to be individualized and mm-hmm. isolated in terms of understanding. Sure. So when I say effectual calling, my mind goes to the covenant of redemption. And, you know. I think your kitty's trying to get in here. Yeah. It's probably trying to kill something else. So, for example, um, I went to 1 Corinthians 4, or 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 to 9 for the effectual calling. The second, my second one was um, regeneration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to John. I was really happy to preach this passage because. I just love the story of um, of Jesus with Nicodemus, mm-hmm. and you know Jesus. What does it mean to be born again? Right. right. Like, you, and then then I went to Ezekiel where you can't take a cold dead heart and make it alive. Someone else needs to do that for you, right? Mm. So God needs to take your heart of stone and give it a heart of flesh. So there's regeneration. The next one was um, uh, it was uh, faith and repentance, where I really talked about the revival of one needs to undergo, and then justification declared not guilty, and then adoption. That's what I did, and then sanctification. And then uh, glorification. So mm. that was the way I went about it. Let's go with your order. You said God foreknows his people. What does yep. foreknow mean? Um, so foreknowledge, some people would say that this is this is God. Like some people have described it as looking down the corridors of time. Right. So before creation, God peers into the future. Pull out the crystal ball. Sure. 
you want to do it uncharitably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull out the crystal ball. Pull the crystal ball. Um, and he <laughs> foreknows. Oh, look what I see in the crystal ball. Who is going to have faith? Yeah, it's like when, uh, when Harry Potter puts his faith in the face in the... No, that's what he's looking back. Never mind. Okay, yeah. Go. go ahead. You tried. I did my best. Quoting the satanic Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, so in this in this Romans 8 passage, each link leads to the other. So yeah. the foreknowledge to some people is that idea that God goes and looks, looks to see who has faith. And that's the foreknowledge. Mm-hmm. He sees the faith that they're going to have, and that leads to him predestining them to have that faith that yeah. he saw. I would argue, and I think you would argue as well, that this foreknowledge of God is is not talking about learning or knowing something right. in an intellectual sense. It's a it's an intimate sense. Yeah. It's a relational sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because we see like in, in Genesis 4 1 how like it's used uh, you know, Adam knew Eve. Right. Um that's not talking about Adam having some sort of conceptual understanding of who Eve is. This is talking about an intimacy that they had. Right. And this intimacy is, you know, the child making one. Yeah. But still it's it's that it's that kind of relational knowledge. Mm-hmm. So God before Genesis one one foreknew his people intimately had like knew about them, who they were, already was loving them. And this theme is is woven all throughout scripture too. Right. And that's the thing. Like when people argue the crystal ball argument, which is I don't think uncharitable. Just <laughs> I think it's uncharitable to be like crystal ball because then you're tying it to like magic. Pull out your stuff. pagan crystal ball. I think seen through the corridors of science. <laughs> Those he foreknew. Yeah. Um, that that theme isn't in scripture, you know? No. It, but the theme of intimacy is. Yeah. And so I would argue with you that you actually have a, a biblical foundation to build off of where the other argument of, you know, looking down the corridors of time it's taken a very English understanding of what foreknowledge is. Yeah. Right. And it, whereas like in, in the Bible you see, what does it mean to know someone? Mm-hmm. It's oftentimes that intimate relation. Yeah. I'm sure there is a passage. I can't think of it right now where it talks about God knowing Israel. Right. Um, it's that, it's that relationship that he has even yep. prior to creation. So that is what I would say is the, you know, first step, first step. And again, there's gonna be some disagreement here. I, I like John Murray's order, but I don't think we're far off. Sure. Well, does does that effectual calling, that first step yeah. of his, fit into this foreknowledge? Yeah, and that's where I did talk about foreknowledge mm. in my sermon. Right. It was in the effectual calling sermon. And again, that's where I think John Murray wraps in foreknowledge. He wraps in predestination. He wraps in election. He wraps in calling, choosing, sure. all those things. And again, I think what we're doing and what you're doing actually is, is saying, okay, you have this bigger category of effectual calling but within this bigger category. We, we have more going on. Right. And I think that's a fair point. I think you can do that with theology all day long. That's what systematics does. Right. Systematics is always doing that. So with the next category that you have is predestined, predestined. This one is probably, there's a few hot topics in this order, but predestination is probably like one of the most yeah. hot topics. Like you want to get an Arminian and a Calvinist, like all, Fired up, be like yeah. predestination, and then walk away. So, yeah, I had a problem with predestination. Throw the grenade in and be yeah. like, hey, "I'm out." Yep, or join the conversation. Yep. So, like the idea. So again, one camp is like, okay, he foreknows, you know, who's going to have faith, and so God predestines those people that are going to have faith. Yeah. I think that's a that's a very odd argument because if he already saw that he they're going to have faith, what predestination is happening? Because yeah. to predestine something means to destine it before it happens, but he's already yeah. seen it happen. So it's, yeah. I think it's a 
poor understanding of what predestination is. And I've heard smart people argue that understanding. Yeah. Armenians, open theists, those who hold those particular yeah. biblical convictions, theological convictions. Right. It's In this case, it'd be him predestining something that's already predestined to happen. Right. Because he saw it in his foreknowledge, according to the, this sort of flow. What I would consider, you know, the predestination is, is God choosing who is going to be saved, right. specifically those whom he foreknew. Right. It's that, that intimate relational knowledge that he has and those whom he foreknew, that's who he's predestining yeah. um, to salvation. So there's that does create a category then of people that he did not foreknew in the sense of that I'm talking about. Right. And so did not predestine them to salvation. Which which there is where people get the hang up, right? Mm-hmm. It's the doctrine of reprobation, which you were proud of me. Like, we should just do a... Off the cuff. Off the cuff. No, no outline. No outline. No thought. No, no. I mean, we've we've both thought about it a ton over the years, reprobation. Um, it's one of those topics that you want to be very careful with. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful all the time. But this is one of those topics you want to be re- especially careful and thoughtful because it's very emotional. Oh, yeah. Like you go to Romans nine, for example, and you, yeah. oh, Jacob, I loved Esau. So I, I hated, hated, you know, what do you do with that? Vessels of wrath created for destruction, vessels mm-hmm. of mercy created for glory. Like, cause it's hard. Cause you, we all have family members that have passed on mm-hmm. and who, you know, are not Christian, right? You know, they had no faith Yep. and they they're lost. Yep. And it's hard to think like God didn't choose them. Correct. You and know. not only did he not choose him, he chose him for wrath. Right. It's one thing for like, you know, you, hey, you're playing kickball growing up mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, I'm not going to pick you on my team and I'm not going to pick you on my team. It's another thing to be like, hey, I'm going to pick you on my team. And then you who I'm not picking on my team, you're going to go over there. I'm forcing you to go over there. Right. So there's actually an added step going on with the doctor of reprobation. Mm-hmm. It's not just I'm not choosing you. It's like I am choosing you. But for, for something wrath. else. Yeah, yeah Exactly. Wrath. And so that's that's the hang up here. I think people, some people can stomach the whole idea of like, okay, God chose me. That's great. I'm on the kickball team, right? <laughs> right. And and the other people didn't get chosen. Okay, that's that's just he just the left them, left them to where they were, and so they put yeah. it out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So who knows? But people don't want to make that next logical step. If he if he chose me and didn't choose someone else, he effectively didn't choose them, or he did choose them for yeah. for wrath. And I think we gotta we gotta back up in the conversation even a little more and say, okay, why is this a big deal? It's because mm-hmm. well, none of us deserve to be choosed, right? Chosen, <laughs> choosed. <Yeah. laughs> English man, Crap, English crappy English with Pastor Sean. <laughs> and so uh, we don't deserve to be out. We're in the line of the kickball of the kickball game, right? It's so the you know game hasn't started. And the reality is none of us deserve to be there mm-hmm. to begin with. Right. And so when God's like, hey, I want you on my team, you're playing mm-hmm. first base. It's almost like, who, me? Right. I don't deserve to be on your team. Right. You're going to make me pitcher? That's amazing. I'm on your kickball team, God. <laughs> it, I mean, no one deserves that. And right. so when you don't realize that's the premise. Right. You get it, it, you you begin to lose sight of actually what is going on. Yeah. I think reprobation just kind of the reason it's so hot topic is we, you know, God is love. Yeah. And so we can't fathom how a loving God could predestine those to be reprobate. <sighs> Man, just, I am. We're going into my podcast. I wanted to do uh, without doing it. No, I just, I'm just so tired. And then, man, give me a mind. So box. I'm so tired of like how we have misunderstood God. We've created God into our own image, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And we did a podcast on this, right. And so I won't go into too, too far. 
but this is another example of it, right? God is love. He would never do that. Well, no, actually, he did do that. Mm. It, he, Sodom and Gomorrah don't exist because of God, right? When or what? Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. They don't exist. They don't of? exist. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've never seen the event doesn't exist. No, 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 no. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, God wiped them off the face you know, of the map. Yes. Uh, when, when Jonah preached to Nineveh and they repented, great. God had mercy. And then we read in Nahum, like, Nineveh reverted back. Guess mm-hmm. what? There's consequences for that. And so we 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 forget the righteousness of God, yeah, and His justice. I think we buck at reprobation because we just don't understand how deep our sin is. That's another great point, Logan. Our sin is so deep, and we're constantly putting our our thumb into God's eye, right? Like, yeah. If, who are you to tell me? And you know, it's actually the other right. way around. Who are you oh, to tell oh man to tell God? Yeah. Did you create the world? Uh did you put the stars in place? Did you put the stars in place? Did you raise up the mountains? Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't think so. So how about you just how about Sean Powers, how about you just sit down, son, and be humble and be thankful that you're on the kickball team? <laughs> right? Right. And and just for people that could be struggling with how how deep is our sin? Yeah. I always like to use the analogy. So like, because people think like, you know, okay, we do a finite sin, but we get infinite punishment, that sort of thing. Yeah. I kind of use the idea of like, okay, let's say I were to um, punch you. Would I get legally? How much trouble am I in? If I wanted to prosecute you? Yeah. Yeah. I could call cops and press charges. Sure. Right. Yeah. So some pretty serious legal trouble. What if I did that to a cop though? Yeah, you go to jail. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets more severe. Yeah, because the position's different. Yeah, versus you versus a police officer. Yeah, what if I go and punch the president? Yeah, you're uh, you're not coming out for a while. You're in the clinker. Yeah, the the punishment is getting worse because of who it is. Yeah, God is God. Yeah, He's infinite. He's infinitely good, infinitely holy. Yep, and we spit in his face yeah a, a crime against an infinite being deserves an infinite punishment right and so all of us are left in this state where every single one of us deserves hell yeah the question is not why doesn't god choose everybody it's why, why does god choose me? anyone at all right how can god i love this quote from from uh Vody Bauckham. how can god know what i did what I said and what I thought yesterday not kill me in my sleep last night. (laughs) The fact you woke up this morning is an act of God's mercy. Yeah, absolutely. God has the right to end the life of every single person for all of the sin that we do daily, but he doesn't. That's the love of God. Mm -hmm. And yes, some people are going to go to hell, but that's not against his love because he Mm -hmm. also loves justice. Yeah. And he loves, so and yeah. by the way, we don't say that flippantly. We're no. not. I mean, we we it's actually so sad. I I prefer so if everyone repented and believed yeah. in Jesus right. Christ. Right. We just know that they're not. We, uh, we've lost we've lost track in the American church, especially. And, we, mm. and by the way, we export our crap theology all over the world, but we've lost sight of of the gospel, of the true gospel message. Mm-hmm. And we've created a, a different gospel, a false gospel, even a prosperity mm. gospel, right? Yeah. Of health, wealth, and good and goodness, right? For us. Yep. And uh, we just totally lost sight. So, 
we got into reprobation a little bit. We should probably get back on track. But I, I think if you go to Romans 9, you have to wrestle with that. What does that mean? Um, the whole Jacob I love, Esau I hate it. I Before think, they did anything. Yeah, Malachi picks that up. And obviously you can go all the way back to Genesis 4 um, to get into that. Uh, not Genesis 4, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I was Cain and Abel. I, <laughs> I also think um, Genesis, or Genesis, Romans 9 yeah. gives an answer of why God reprobates some. Yeah creates vessels of wrath it highlights his mercy to those that he did save that's right so i really if you really struggle with it look to romans 9 pray about it read Mm -hmm. it digest it all right what's next uh on the romans golden chain is god calls his people now this is my the call that i think of when you say effectual calling which is clearly different yeah so and it can also be another hot topic um, cause then it goes into, well, is God calling all people or mm-hmm. is he only calling the predestined people? Right. So there's some that will say, no, God calls all people and some, they do have some scriptural support. I think, um, you know, you got Peter it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but it's a potential, uh, patient. A, a patient towards you, not wishing anyone should perish, but all should reach repentance. And there's constant passages that are like repent and believe. Yeah. Um, is but that, that, but that's not suggesting that all are called, right? It's one thing to have a, des- have a desire, um, to have, uh, chocolate, uh, chocolate chip mint ice cream later today. It's another thing to actually see that fulfilled. Sure. I think there's a, there's a distinction there. I think there's also an important, so we've called this the golden chain, you know, all linked. Yeah. yeah. If, if God is calling all people in the sense that I'm meaning, um, and we know people fail to heed that call, mm. that means the chain is broken. Yeah. Like if you read Romans eight it says for new, he predestined yeah. those he predestined, he calls those he calls. What does he do? He justifies, mm-hmm. but if he's calling everyone, but not all are justified, that chain breaks. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Which is, I think an impossibility. So what do I mean when I say calling and I say effectual calling? Yep. It is. It is the calling that the spirit does Mm. drawing God's predestined people, his elect that is always successful. So this is the applied component. This is the applied. This is not covenant redemption right before before the creation of the world. Right. There's specific. This is how a person's salvation is applied in right. real time. Yep. So, you know, God the Father chose people, predestined yeah. people. He put forth the plan of redemption through the cross. Christ accomplished the redemption at the cross. Mm-hmm. Now the Spirit is applying that redemption by calling the people, and they will come to faith and repentance. Right. So that is... Is, uh, this, is this also like chosen election? Is that, is that what you mean by here? Chosen election? Like, is this election right here? The well, the election I think happened, you know, with the forno predestination. Okay, predestination so, is the election. Kaleo and electos, kaleo, uh, I call electos election chosen. You're parsing those out. I tend to, because okay. I think it the people that are being called are the ones who are elect. Okay, gotcha. And that calling, so that calling, either happened throughout my life, or the ultimate calling happened on Easter Sunday when I was 18. Yeah, where. God converted. So you'll you'll talk about election in the category predestination. Right. Gotcha. Which I don't think is necessarily wrong. I just think yeah. 
I think parsing it, it out. Yeah, when you parse it out, depending on how you want to parse it out, there's gonna be like we said earlier at the very beginning, there's gonna be some slight nuances, and that's right. okay. Now I said this calling does not fail. What support do I have for that? Uh, Matthew ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Yeah, they they do. Like there's there's not a sheep that doesn't follow Christ. In fact, uh, there's this passage. I forget if it's Matthew six or Matthew ten. Where he says, "You don't believe me because you're not of my, yeah, you're not my sheep. Yeah. My sheep will hear me, and they will hear my." The gospel writer me. John picks up on this as well. Go to John six, John ten, John, John fourteen. Maybe, maybe I'm, did I write down Matthew when I meant John? Yeah, I think you probably meant John. There. I think I mean John. <laughs> I'm sorry. All of these are John, not Matthew. I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure. I was gonna say, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that sounds like the Gospel of John. <laughs> Okay, I was doing this late last night. That's all right. All right. <laughs> so as long, John, as we, as long as we get to the right place. Yeah, John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me yeah. will come to me. Yeah. So that's the to me it's the predestination. Those that are predestined will come to Christ, and uh, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Mm. Uh, Matthew six forty four. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John six forty four. John six forty four. So yep. it's like you see, you know, this calling, you know, no one will come to Christ unless they are called. And if yeah. they are called, they come. So quick story on my end. This, this, the gospel of John was actually my journey into reform soteriology. Sure. Right. I got saved through started attending a quasi Pentecostal church. Um, some of the pastors believed in reform theology, or at least they thought they did. But the church certainly wasn't. There was just a run-of-the-mill evangelical beliefs or whatever. Sure. A lot of dispensational stuff. Eschatology was like the left-behind series, basically. Mm. So, But anyways, one day I, I, I just started reading the Gospel of John. And then I'm bumping into these passages in John 6 and John 10. And I'm kind of like, whoa. I mean, I, I remember when the Lord saved me. I was in my mm. 20s. Sure. And I was not, you know, some people are younger, some people are older. But it really began to put into context what actually happened. Like, in, from my perspective at that moment, it was me on my knees, in my tears, surrendering to God, saying things to God, like, I'm going to surrender to you, right? Sure. What the Gospel of John helped me to realize, like, no, it was it was God. Who did it? God, who did it? Who was, it was the Spirit, as you noted earlier, drawing me to Christ. Right. Like, I went begging and kicking, or not begging, I went kicking and screaming. Sure. And, uh, this this really set me on the journey to reformed soteriology mm. and then eventually you know broader reformed theology right yeah man sorry you just think making me think of my my conversion yeah. i was easter sunday yeah. i've been calling myself a christian for years and not living it out yeah and i thought it was my rededication it was my conversion i was like oh totally lord if i'm saying i'm a christian i need to take oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i need to take your word seriously yeah there are, yeah, no, I'm with you in that. Like there were times prior to that moment in that apartment bedroom where I'm like, oh, I'm trying to follow you, God. I'm trying to follow you, God. But it was like, I kept falling up short because why? I was trying to do it in my own effort. Right. You know, and I, you know, kept going back to the slop that I, you know, my flesh loved so much, which mm. is a story for another day. And uh, it, it took that moment of God being like, no, listen, son, I'm going to do this for you. And man, that's so I free. just want to put some emphasis on this because I know you you did it more of as a as a saying. Countries, listen, son, listen, son, son, yeah, you're his child, father, mm. father to a child. Yeah, so that's, that's good. 
All right. Mm. So that is the effectual calling to me. Then God justifies. Justification, another hot topic. I think glorification is probably the only one that's not going to be yeah, a yeah. hot topic. Jesus, we're with Jesus. Justification. <laughs> yeah. So this is how I I break justification down. So with the calling, I think that's either the moments before or simultaneously with mm-hmm. justification. So, you know, uh, the spirit calls you mm-hmm. and you have faith and repentance. And regeneration is also involved. Mm-hmm. That idea, I think you mentioned it before, either this podcast or the last, you know, that stone heart being made flesh. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ezekiel 36. Yeah. The question becomes, what's coming first? The faith and repentance yeah. or the regeneration? Yeah. Um, I would say, I think this is more of an Armenian idea. Um, it They would say that your regeneration comes after your faith and repentance. <laughs> I could be wrong. Well, I don't know. I, I, I've definitely heard people say, and I've argued with a teacher about yeah. faith and repentance coming before or after a generation. So this is, so it, I, I don't know how they would articulate the position, but for me, how is it even possible mm-hmm. to repent before God, like truly, mm-hmm. unless a work of the spirit is being done in the heart? Right. Unless that heart of stone is truly being is being taken out and you're given that heart of flesh. Right. I just, I can't, I mean, I know there's an argument on the other side, right? Like there's some right. effort we need to put into it sure. and whatever's heavy. But when, then I go to, then I go to Ephesians two and I think to myself, well, what's the argument in Ephesians two? Um, you, you are unable to put any effort into your salvation. Why? Mm. So that you cannot boast yeah. in it. Right. Yeah, I tell her, tell some kids that I teach on the regular, like, you offer to your salvation nothing. Right. Even point zero 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 one of effort gives you the opportunity to boast. Sure. And so when I look at when I look at the order, I'm like regeneration has to come before mm-hmm. faith and repentance. Now in my opinion. Is regeneration the saved? Being saved? Are you saved? Again, this is, this is this is getting into the weeds of like mm-hmm. when is when is justification right right because within this when are you declared not guilty right so so in this justification I think like time wise or temporally yeah. regeneration and faith is happening at the same time yeah you're being regenerated and then you you know you're professing faith sure it's like the logical to me order. it's to me it's like it's like that you know bum, it's bum, like bum. like within back in that apartment room that i was in like god regenerated my cold dead heart and all of a sudden i'm repenting sure right so nanoseconds whatever however you want to articulate that right i think the so the you know person i was the teacher i was arguing with to him regeneration was salvation yeah hold on a second we're just gonna allow everyone to embrace the tractor mm. because i live on a farm yep it's tractor work our title is not a lie. Our title, Cornfield Theology, is not a lie. It is a very real thing. Some people don't like it. They're like, that's just so Iowa. And like, no, it's actually a matter of fact. <laughs> Continue. And the tractor will go in the background. Putting it down. Putting down uh-huh. the, the bucket. Okay. I don't know. All right. Where were we? Um, you want me to talk over it? Oh, heck yeah. All right. We're on the farm, dude. <laughs> Hey, stalled enough. Yeah. Um, so like if that to, to my professor, the regeneration was the salvation. Yeah. It's the repent. You believe you're saved. Yeah. 
Whereas I think the regeneration is is something before being declared that not guilty and that saved. Yeah. Um, cause I agree with you. I think you make great points, but I think it's most clear in like Romans eight, yeah. um, verses seven through eight. It says for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Mm. And in the context, Paul is contrasting those who have their minds on the spirit. So Christians mm-hmm. and those who have their minds in the flesh or of the flesh, mm-hmm. which is non-Christians. Right. So those who, um, have their minds set, oh, lost my place amateur <laughs> for their mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to god yeah hostile like hates, hates god at yeah. enmity and an enemy mm. with god for it does not submit to god's law indeed it cannot mm-hmm. those who are in the flesh cannot please god mm-hmm. faith and repentance please god mm-hmm if you are in the flesh and you're unregenerate, you cannot right. have faith and repentance. Right. But in regeneration, you are transformed and you are no mm-hmm. longer of the flesh and you're brought to your knees in faith and repentance. Yeah. So that is my argument for why regeneration must come first. Before? Before the faith and repentance. Yeah. Yeah. And in all of this, we become justified. Yeah, so I would disagree. That's where we we and I you we, and I get the order. I wrong. was just agreeing with you. I think uh, regeneration comes before faith and repentance. Yeah, I said regeneration. Oh, I faith. said the opposite. No, no, regeneration, faith, repentance. Just and okay. that's the gotcha. justification. Well, the thing with justification that's really important is that you're not made justified. Like what I mean by that is, you your your disposition doesn't change with justification. You're declared not guilty. Sure. It's a decree of God. Right. It's that you are indeed a sinner. I mean, it is indeed the uh, uh, the courtroom picture that we have. Sure. That we need that works in, in our mind really well is that God is the judge and we are the defendant. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Our case ain't good. What's that? Our case ain't and good. And case ain't good. And Jesus comes in and he says, you know what? I'm taking the punishment. And Jesus is declared guilty at the cross and we are declared not guilty. And so it's an it's a, a doctrine of position before mm-hmm. God right. more than anything else. Sure. It's not, I've been made something different. I haven't changed substantively. Well, in, the regeneration in, changes. Well, in the in, the, in justification, right? Gen, I'm not sure. talking about regeneration. I'm talking about sure. justification. Sure. It's my position and standing before God. Right. That's justification. Yeah. And because the, I think the reason for that is, so my next step is glorification. Yeah. Because that's what's mentioned in Romans. But between justification and glorification, there's the sanctification. Right. So I think when you're talking about, you know, we're we're not, only our position changed. It's because even though we're regenerated and we're saved, Mm -hmm. we've been declared not guilty. Right. We still struggle with sin. Yeah. We still have to fight sin. Yeah. Uh, And we'll have to do that for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. But in sanctification, we're being made more and more into the image of Christ. Right. You know, sins get put away over time. Um, yeah, and there's there's some who hold the position that sanctification comes before justification, and that's that whole idea that you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, and then you know at some point you're declared not guilty. And it's a minority view, but I've heard people articulate it that way, and I'm like, oh no, not at all. The mm-hmm. one who's able to um, undergo sanctification has already been declared not right. guilty. Yeah, I think we have to. You have to look at the scriptures, and there's. It's very interesting how the word "saved" is used. I forget all the different passages, but there yeah. is. You have been saved. Yeah, past, present, and future tenses. You're being saved. Yeah. So you have been saved at justification. Yeah. I think you are being saved 
sanctification. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of being saved is that um, God is continuing to be at work in your life, right? And you're you're uh, working out your salvation with fear and trembling, coming coming more and more into the likeness of Christ, right? And then you will be saved. Right. The future is the next step, which is glorification, right? Right. And I think glorification, our, our last little little beat, is probably the least controversial. Yeah, glorification. I think to me is one of the most beautiful doctrines because it has so much hope wrapped up in it. Absolutely. It's uh, we look forward to the day when we get to be with Christ, our mm-hmm. Savior and our Lord. And uh, you know, like when I die, my body goes into the ground. Yep. And then my my soul goes to be with Christ. Yep. And then when Jesus returns. I'm reunited with a new body, mm-hmm. um, a glorified body. Yeah. Without all the limitations that we have right now. Freed from sin completely. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. And so glorification is is a, is a doctrine of hope that all Christians have to look forward to. Yeah. You know, you struggle, you know, you know, some people have particular sins that they struggle with. I have a particular sin and each day is a struggle. Yeah. And you can be down on yourself, but like, man. I'm going to be made free. Yeah. Like fully free. We're, it won't even be a thought or a temptation anymore. Yeah. It's, we don't doubt Romans 8 1. Right. We shouldn't doubt it now, but there it's right. In that day, <laughs> there's, there's no temptation to the doubt. There's yeah. therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I mean, our doubt of the, there's therefore no condemnation, you know, it's, it's that lack of faith yeah in the moment yep. but then when we're glorified we'll have full faith like no there's no condemnation yeah here. i've done so many messed up stuff but man jesus and he's better yeah he he saved me he he covered those sins yeah. like mm. man so those are the 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 orders that i have specifically from roman 8 do you want to add anything do you think there's well, more that comes after glorification do you want to insert something yeah i think in the, in the sermon series that i did uh i you know i like i said i ordered things a little differently or I added a few things, you know, perseverance is kind of in that sanctification category. Right. Uh, you know, we talk about the, uh, you know, tulip perseverance of the saints or the preservation of the saints. You could parse that out from sanctification yeah. and really focus. You on still that. get it from John six and 10. Yeah, exactly. You know, the sheep will not be cast out. Yeah, they won't be. Honestly, John, John is just, has a lot of tulip in it. Honestly, <laughs> it, it had a ton adoption. That would be one. Um, I went to, Ephesians. when does adoption happen? I had adoption after justification. Okay. So you've been justified. So you have faith, your repentance, you're declared not guilty. Declared not guilty. And then again, want to be careful with chronology in terms of a time, you know, temporally. But then you're adopted into God's family. You're a right. son or daughter of a father, a gracious, loving father. Yeah. You're not just you're not just the the courtroom defendant declared not guilty. You know, you're then no, you're not my son too. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Made a citizen. You go to the yeah. father's, the judge's house afterwards, and you're. He you throws know. that party, <laughs> yeah, and then there's yeah. the older, the older sibling that's angry. And I think adoption. I mean, Purple earthly son. adoptions are just a beautiful picture mm. of of a heavenly adoption. Yeah. Um, you know, just an earthly picture, but it helps helps get your mind around what is taking place, especially when you go to Ephesians two. Mm. If you want to learn more about adoption, like you were a child of wrath. Yeah. Like at enmity with a God. son of disobedience. Yeah. And then if, but God, you know, Ephesians two, four, but God being, you know, in mercy and grace, he brings you into his family. Yeah. And again, and it gets, this again captures why I'm reformed in my soteriology. There's nothing I could do. 
Yeah. There's nothing I could do to insert myself into God's family. It was, right. it was purely his love, purely his, his grace, grace and mercy. Yeah. 100%. So, you know, in terms of, in, in terms of, um, you know, order, I would, I would certainly want adoption in there as well. Boom. It really gives it that, um, I don't know, earthy uh, understanding of who we are in God's yeah. family. Yeah. Cause like, Cause here's here's yeah. a temptation I've I've definitely been prone to, yeah. you know, when praying or reading, like you think of God as like, so like it's deistic, you know, he's he's out there, yeah, like he saved me now, now he's like he's cool and chill. It's like, nah, like he has a personal relationship, like yeah. he he loves you, and you're not just a person he saved, you're not his son or daughter, yeah, you know, like especially like for people like okay, I've I've had a rough rough uh parentage with my mother you know yeah but i you know i i struggle with like oh how she loved me but how could she do sure. those things but like but god loves me perfectly yeah Man. yeah so yeah i think that adoption is super important because it's yeah, he's not just he's not just god you know he is your king he is your savior but he's also your father mm, amen and with that adoption comes assurance yeah and again, that's where you could probably have that discussion of preservation or perseverance mm-hmm. in saints, depending on what word you want to use. But there's an assurance. Like, I think the way I articulated the sermons, like once God like signs the adoption paperwork, he doesn't unsign them, right? right. They're for good. Yeah. Uh, when you adopt a child, it's not like it, you know, 10 years down the road, you're like, I'm going to unadopt you. Right. right? Even, even if you're a wayward son, mm-hmm. you know, you're the prodigal or whatever. Yeah. You've still been adopted. You will come back, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, you'll you'll eventually realize I need to, right. depending on how you want to interpret that passage of the prodigal son, um, you know you realize I need to go back to the father, right? And the father's there with open arms, and he throws you a party. Yeah, your adoption paperwork to God was not so, a mistake. Let me just say this: if you're a prodigal son right now or daughter, hey, listen up. You can come back to the father. Yeah, and come he, back, and he greets you with open arms. Yes, yes, and amen. So this is where the doctrines of grace, and this is where the Or Salutis is not some stale theological. Um, ideas that are just yeah. Kinda, it's not it's not something we're just brewing up in our ivory tower. Yeah, exactly. And we're just like, you know, listen to me. Listen to these great theological mm. points. It's like no, they actually I'm so smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ordo salutis. I know. I know Latin. Latin. <laughs> <laughs> no, sola deo gloria. And <laughs> ah, <no> more Latin. <laughs> <laughs> just wait till I pull out the Greek and the Hebrew. Nah, this stuff has ramifications uh, on our on our lives that should cause us to rejoice mm-hmm. and and rest too yeah the rest in what god has done for you amen so uh any uh contemporary topics we need to talk about I'm trying to think i got one go for it uh caitlin clark you know the name nah off you're, the, my head. you're the only person thought you're about to say caitlin jenner so i got thrown off <laughs> no she's the only you're the only person in the state of iowa who doesn't know who Clay, caitlin clark is she, so like, uh, like we mentioned in the previous podcast, I don't, I don't listen to any news. Yeah, much. sports. Sports. This oh, it's in sports? Yeah. That's doubly a reason. Yeah. <laughs> okay. K- K- uh, she is the best women's basketball player. Um, and the Iowa made it to the championship game. Okay. Of the NCAA tournament, the women's team. Okay. And she like scored 40 points in the round of eight and then the final four, then 30 points in the championship game where they lost to LSU. And there's been a lot of controversy around you know, athletes getting in each other's faces from LSU and, you know, Dr. Jill Biden, um, 
who's definitely a doctor. Um, <laughs> she they invited Iowa, who lost, and now the LCU players are like, "No, we're not going. You invited Iowa," and it's like, and Iowa's like, well, "We're not going because we got we lost." Mm. Don't give us that participation trophy. <laughs> they, yeah, they didn't want it. They're like, we, we get out of here. That's not what. <laughs> that's not who gets invited to the White House. And like, hey, I brewed up all kinds of controversy. So I'm, as an Iowan who really enjoy, who who frankly didn't watch women's basketball. Sure, she is the real deal. And I, I watched the uh, Final Four game against South Carolina, who was undefeated until they met Iowa. And that was an amazing game. And then I listened to him on the radio because I was headed to Kansas City for the championship mm. game last week. And, uh, you know, LSU had more had better players mm. all the way around the roster. Sure. Except for Kate and Clark. Uh, so, you know. One a, person can't carry a team. Yeah. I mean, LeBron Iowa had a James. good team. Don't get me wrong. What's he say? <laughs> it said LeBron, LeBron James. James. <laughs> can't carry the team. Sorry. Michael Jordan's a goat. So not even close. So that was fun. I've been, I've been uh, in terms of uh, – Modern day news stories. I've been kind of following that controversy. All the controversies. Anything for you? Uh, Bud Light, I guess, is the <laughs> one I keep gosh. noticing. <laughs> what are they doing? Bud Light goes woke, and I'm like, I, how, how much money are you going to lose? <laughs> I know. I know all the people who've been like, I'm disassociating with you. Yeah, so like Bud right Life on the rainbow. And like, I'm sure there's plenty of Bud Light drinkers that are like, I don't care. Gets yeah. me drunk. Yeah, right. And, but right. I'm like, when I think of someone that drinks Bud Light, I'm thinking of like conservative. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I think conservative, but like, yeah, so just some conservative dude Sheesh. that like is already angry about kneeling at the flag during football. <laughs> yeah, right. Putting a rainbow on his beard. And he's like, I guess I'm Miller Light now. <laughs> yeah, right. Go, going to Coors. I, I don't know. Like, I thought advertising was supposed to get you customers. I'm like, this looks like it's going <laughs> to lose you I know. so much. Like, I know. I, if there's like someone that's on the woke train that isn't already drinking Bud Light, I don't think they're going to see the <laughs> rainbow and be like, you know what? That's the beer for me. Yeah, right. So, but my hot take on that topic is just stop drinking Bud Light because it's uh, basically water anyways. Get yeah. a real beer. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's been good, everyone. Thanks yeah. for listening. We'll end on that note. Um, drink a different beer, apparently, according to Logan. A good beer. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook, uh, redemptionhilldsm.org. Okay. And go to our Spotify. Spotify. You can go to cornfieldtheology.com, Apple Podcasts, uh, all, all right. the places. Sorry, I'm going to bring this back up just real quick. Okay. I finally got Spotify again, and I'm so happy. Oh, yeah. Because Brooks convinced me. Our, that fr- our mutual friend, Brooks. Our mutual, friend, our mutual great friend, Brooks. Excellent friend. The best friend. <laughs> he convinced me that using a family plan when I'm not in the household is stealing. Yeah. So I went like a year doing Amazon music and it's terrible. Uh, it is garbage. Yeah. Still listen to us on it if you have it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I did not enjoy it. And I finally was like, all right, Kennedy, I'm going to buy Spotify so yeah. I can finally use it again. Yeah. Anyways, we're on Spotify. <laughs> that's great. We use the uh, Apple music sure. thing and that gives us everything we need. That's good. Although you can find us in all those outlets. Yeah. So please do. Yeah, for sure. And until next time. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.